listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. This whole last couple of weeks, I've just had the word going over and over, hunger, 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 fresh hunger, new hunger, like a hunger, like a hunger, like, you know, like I've got kids and, and I don't know why, but our eldest who's about to turn 10, he has this thing where it's like everything's sweet, but then all of a sudden there's a moment where he's like, I'm hungry. Right, and it's like nothing else can be done until that thing is craved, that craving is met. Right, like I'm his coach in his rugby league team, and and he just goes, "I'm thirsty," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, mate, we've got a couple more drills, and then we'll get everyone to get a drink." And it's almost like he cannot move. He's like stationed in this place of I'm thirsty, but Dad, I'm I'm thirsty, and I I might be coordinating a bunch of kids, and he's just like, "But Dad, I'm I'm thirsty, like Dad, I'm thirsty, Dad, Dad, like Dad, 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 I'm I'm thirsty, I'm like Dad, I'm thirsty, like I'm like." Bro, we all thirsty. Do the drill. <laughs> hunger, hunger. Do we get a craving or do we just, sorry, do we, do we have a hunger that desires it to be met or do we just get these cravings that we often just push to the side? We often get cravings and we look to suppress the cravings. We have these suppressants. We, I have a daughter who's just gone seven and she craves She's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I'm like, great, I'll make you a sandwich. No, 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 I want chips. Well, that's not going to fulfill the hunger. That might tickle your taste buds, but it's going to do nothing for who you are. Oh, okay, no worries. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have a Nutella sandwich. No, no. <laughs> no, you don't get it. Like, It might tickle the taste buds, but it actually isn't fulfilling who you are. We have amongst us in my own life, we have in our world right now people who are hungry. They are hungry, 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 hungry for fulfillment, hungry for something to satisfy. They work multiple hours, over hours, after hours, after hours, hoping to receive something that they could then supply to their family, realizing that's actually not what's going to fulfill. We have hunger, people going from relationship to relationship, thinking that's what's going to, what they are is signs of hunger. There's signs where people are starving, but we're looking at places that's uh, a suppressance. They're not actually fulfilling what we need, what we all need, what actually fulfills the craving of our heart, the craving of our soul, the craving of our spirit. Come on, is Jesus Christ himself. Because when we have the worth that comes from him, when we have the hope that comes from him, when we have the direction that comes from him, who knows that everything else falls into line. Hunger. Hunger. We're tonight having what we call one of our revival notes. And I love our senior pastors and the heart that they have that says, come on, there's something that God's stirring amongst us and that we need to stir up amongst us. That actually says, you know what, we've got to break some of the norm and just create room where we can hunger, where we can position ourselves, where we can go after His Spirit, go after Him. And, And I felt in the preparation as God was saying, hunger, hunger, I felt like God said, come on, don't wait for tonight while I want to start in the morning. And I want to speak to revival just quickly uh, because we look, often hear of revival, especially if you've been brought up in Christian environments. You would hear of revival and you think crusade or you think meetings that would last day after day. And that is obviously evidence of that. Well, there's been amazing revivals over the centuries that really God has done phenomenal things. And the amazing thing out of revivals is out of revivals, there's always been the birthing of something phenomenal within the church or within the Christian realm that impacts all of the world. 
And most revivals come out of a place where their social climate is in decay. They're moving away from God. They're forgetting the wonder of living in alignment to Him. They're adopting other cultural principles that would try and suppress what the real hunger needs to be met. And out of those places, God breathes something fresh. And there's actually in revival, and the heart of revival is actually the act of repentance is one of the great key ingredients of revival. And I love this scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14. I love it says, this, it says, if my people who were called by my name. I, I love that. If you're here and you're, and you're not, say, a believer or someone who would be a follower of Christ, you don't, don't worry. He still calls you by name. He, he still adopts you into His family, whether you're saying, I'm part of it or not. He's saying, well, I'm part of you, and I've got a plan and a purpose. But it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will I love that. Guaranteed. Promise. The promise is there. It's not, well, if I do this, can God? Maybe will He? No, no, He will. He says, I will. Hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. This whole, uh, oh, sorry, in verse 15, now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That there uh, passage of scripture is written when the temple that Solomon had built had just been complete. And here is God basically speaking his promise, his blessing over this house, over that. And the body, doesn't the Bible tell us in the New uh, Testament that we are all temples of the Holy Spirit? So it's no longer about this 62 Mark Street, the room that we're occupied right now, but it's actually about who we are in Him and that His ears are attentive to the prayers that have been offered in this place. The prayers coming out of this place, right? Not just the prayers coming out of this microphone by somebody who has the title of a pastor, but by the title of anybody who is a child of God, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the prayers offered, He's listening, but there's got to be a humbling. It's an incredible Philippians tells us that it was Christ who humbled himself. And because he humbled himself unto death on a cross, because of his humbling, God was able to move in a way that we had never been moved before. And we've got to stop looking at the word humble as a dirty word, as a weak word. As a word of just like, oh, yeah, no, but that's like, I mean, I mean that's like an authoritative comment that has to make me do something. No, no, no. It's if my people. That's the thing about God is that from the very garden to the chronicles to all the way through is that if there's always your decision point in that. You have the decision point to either step into what he is aligned as a promise or you have the decision to stay where you are, stuck in our opinion, aligned in our perspective, but finding no way forward in the very thing that your heart is craving for. But if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves... And today we're going to have a time where I honestly believe that we're going to freshly humble ourselves. If we can have that scripture back up, just the first portion of it. I love it. it says, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face, not seek my outcome, but seek my face. Not seek the area of need in your life to be resolved. Just seek my face. I'm a good father. I know what my kids need. Just seek me. I've often learned that when I've gone God to God just for the outcome, I've actually missed a whole lot of what He wants to do. I've been honoured to have 
John Ferguson with us this weekend as we've had the conclusion of our, one of our courses called Freedom. Uh, our Freedom course is amazing as it just says, come on, God, if there's anything in me that's restricting me from where you want to lead me, then let's get that dealt with. Let, let the past be the past. Let's step into the new. And we have a retreat at the end of it on a sad day, which we had yesterday. And John's so gracious. He's part of the wider life family in a sense, and him and his wife Bron just have an amazing ministry just to believe, come on, for the, the real, I guess, transformation from the internal to the external of what God wants to lead us into. But I never forget once in a ministry moment where we were worshiping God and I just couldn't turn my head off. Does anyone ever have that? You just can't turn your head off. Like it just was thinking, it was thinking about the temperature, it was thinking about the volume of the microphones of those who were singing, it was thinking about is the seat layout working? Are those coming forward to the altar? Have they got places to stand? Have they and I felt like I was just saying, just man, cut the cut the brain guy. Like just just worship me. And I couldn't, and I just honestly couldn't get past it. And so John was there and I said, John, I walked up to him and it wasn't like there was a people aren't praying or anything. I just went up and I said, John, I'm I just can't turn my head off. Like it just won't stop that I won't be able just to be in this moment. I just want this moment. I, don't, I want to forget everything else. I want to have a moment where it's just about me and him. And he came and he laid hands on me. And, uh, and I'm thinking just for a, like a wham, bam, that just, let's just deal with that. All good. You know, pause buttons hit, mute buttons happened. Now I'm free to just worship. And he goes, have you ever had a moment where you've broken trust with your family? And I'm like, yeah, enough about the past. I'm just wanting something right now, right here. Like, just turn the, like, you're now making me think even more, and I'm wanting to not think, right? Like, and it was amazing because actually there was a, a season in my life where my parents said to me, and rightfully slow, Craig, right now we don't trust you. You've broken our trust. And that moment, although it was right, had created a seed in me for whatever reason that had an effect that it caused me never to stop and just have a moment where I was at rest. And he said, come on, why don't we pray into that? And we just prayed into that for literally 30, 40 seconds. And I found in that moment, there was a release in another area of my life that God was wanting to do something over here. But I was just, I'll just turn my brain off, turn my brain off. But God's like, no, there's more I want to do if you just open for me to work and move and do something in your life. And it was amazing because it then led me to having a conversation with my parents to apologize and say, you know what, I'm really sorry about that season where I would hear what you would say, but I would go against you. And you lost trust in me. I'm really sorry about that. And it was amazing, this restorative moment, as it wasn't just about the outcome, but it was about, God, what are you wanting to do? And I believe this morning as we have communion and as we have worship, I believe God's going to speak. Come on, fresh wells. Fresh wells often don't mean we're going to dig again. It just means we're going to empty out the clutter and the junk and the debris, and the broken things, and the dirt. We're going to get decked down into, it seems like a dark place, but actually it's a place where freshness flows. I'm going to get that out. I'm going to bring a fresh well. I'm going to bring something new, but it takes a hunger. Because if we've got the hunger, then we're willing to humble. If we haven't got the hunger, we won't humble. But if we've got a hunger, we don't care what it looks like. We don't care who sees what. We don't care if we've got to stand, if we've got to kneel, if we've got to go up the front, if we've got to get prayer. It doesn't matter. I'm humbling myself because I'm seeking His face. And, if, and the seeking of His face, He will heal our land. And there's lots of things I'm believing God to do in our nation. But I know first and foremost, I need Him to heal this land. Come on, this place. Because I need Him to move afresh in my life. Hunger. Hunger. Are we hungry? The heart of revival is repentance. I never forget a moment I had 
where we had a, a rally or a, an, I believe it was a day and a night, maybe two nights and one day, but uh, incredible evangelist Reinhard Bonnke came to Auckland and we hosted a, a, a crusade kind of night with uh, Reinhard Bonnke. And if you don't know who he is, um, he's just a phenomenal man who has seen millions and of people uh, saved, set free. <laughs> As he would put it, like, you know, rescued out of hell <laughs> into heaven. You know, like plundering hell to populate heaven. You know, and in fact, John Ferguson was part of his ministry team for a long time and, uh, and did a lot of uh, phenomenal stuff with that. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, I forget one of his lines, but just... Um, I don't want to, uh, I'd rather roar like a lion and coo like a pigeon or something like that. Like, do you remember that one? No? You can't get it right either, but has anyone else heard that one? Yeah? All right. That, that didn't really go how I thought that would go. But, hey. Um, but I remember him saying, I want to lay hands on every person. And in that moment, he says, I'm going to stand on a seat and I'm going to have two lines of people come down. Right? And I'm just going to lay hands and I'm going to declare fire over every person. And then he looks at me and he goes, would you stand in front of the chair so I don't fall off? And he goes, when I get unstable, I'll hold your shoulders. So I stood like this. Reinhardt was here, right? And his hands were right there. And all I heard for about 45,000 times was fire, fire, fire. Like, and I honestly, like, I'm like, it was the most amazing moment. Because I don't know about you, but I want more of the fire of God. So I was like claiming everybody else's. I was like, I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll take that and I'll take that. And then I started wondering why people were going back round the line again. Because I had robbed them of the first one, right? They needed the... <laughs> but no, honestly, it's like the line never ended. And you could see the ushers kind of going like, when is this line going to end? But there was a hunger in the room. They said, I don't just want one touch. I don't just want one transformation moment. I just don't want to get saved and then get back on my merry way. I actually want the fire of God. And this morning in the early hours, I've had a great time in this room because it didn't start now and it didn't start at 10 a.m. But it started early hours of walking up and down these rooms going, God, we're believing for a fresh fire today. We're believing for a fresh revival today because in revival is renewal and renewal is great strength. And so some people go, oh, where's, where's the revivals that are happening? Well, the revivals that are happening should be happening in here. And in fact, one man went to a revivalist and said, you're busy in revivals. How do you see revivals take place? How is this ministry operated? And he says, you go to a private room. You get a piece of chalk and you draw a circle on the ground. You get in there on your knees and you start to pray, God, create a revival in this circle. Because when God starts a revival in you, it's never just for you. What He does in you flows from you. And what we need in our lives is not, would the church do more of this and would the church do more of that? No, no, God, would you do more in me? God, would you birth something in me? Would you set something ablaze on the inside? That I'm not waiting for somebody else to offload their anointing, their blessing. But God, I want more of your fire. I want more of your presence. I want more of your grace. I need more of your anointing. People who are hungry in the Bible received great miracles that we marvel at today. Hungry enough was blind Bartimaeus to shout above the crowds, even though he was told to stop. Amazing Zacchaeus, although he had what the world could offer him, 
positions himself in a tree so that he could see who is this that brings something far more than money can buy. And God wants to go to his house. Four blokes with a mat decide if we can't get in the front door, let's pull the roof off. That's some pretty hungry, desiring moments. Feeding of the 5,000, incredible, incredible. Even the men of God were saying, send them away. But there was a hunger in the crowd. They said, we'd rather go hungry naturally and be in the presence of the Savior, Jesus Christ. But who knows, if you're in the presence of the Savior, you're also going to get the fulfilling of every other craving that you have. God meets every need. It's hunger. It's a hunger. See, the biggest enemy of hunger is complacency. Complacency. See, I believe the enemy's goal in our life is not to make us drug addicts, not to first and foremost separate us from our loved ones. That may be the outcome. But his first and foremost goal for us is that we would get warm. If I can just get him off hot. If I could get him off hot and just get him warm. If I can get him warm and I get him okay with warm, get him okay just attending, get him okay just worshiping with the hands in the pockets, get him okay just, you know, attending now and again. If I can just get him warm, then I've got him. But God doesn't want us warm. What does he say about lukewarm? He goes, come on, it's just, it's neither here nor there. We've actually got to stay in a place where we keep putting ourselves in the fire. We keep staying close to his presence. And what I love about fire is fire never, ever gets content. Fire is always looking to consume something else. Come on, you put a fire uh, in a forest and it's not looking to go, I've already got three trees, I don't need any more. It's looking for the next opportunity to consume something else. Fire is also always looking for the fresh breath. It may be burning on something of substance like a candle with oil and, or a wax, but it's always hungry for the fresh breath. It's always looking. If you see a, a movies with house fires, you watch the fire work through the house, looking under cracks. Is there fresh breath in that room? Is there fresh breath over there? Anyone seen the movie Backdraft? Old school? Awesome movie. I don't know what it's moral. I can't remember what it was morally like in the language. But uh, if you watch it on mute, you'll love it. Uh, unless there's possibly a bad scene. And then don't tell. We'll change. The, I didn't say watch it. But you're watching the fire consistently looking. Where's the fresh breath? Where's the fresh breath? Where's the next opportunity for the breath to come that causes it to go to another level? You know that God's always got fresh breath. Every moment of praise, there's fresh breath. Every moment there's a prayer for breakthrough, there's fresh breath. Every moment we want to stand together and believe for breakthrough, believe for, come on, those who are believing for children, to have children, those who are needing work opportunities open, those wanting to buy houses or sell houses, and come on, there's fresh breath that's available. Do we get complacent and go, oh, yeah, that's cool, yeah, another prayer, oh, oh, celebrate another baby. We don't understand the miracle in those moments, right? They're incredible. I know we've been praying for Nader and Hannah uh, with their little Solomon and Tobias. Great news is, is this week Tobias came home, which is awesome. So both the boys are in the house, which is awesome. Fresh breath, fire, hunger, hunger, hunger. Maybe team, can you come and join me? God was so into revival, personal revival. So much so that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. That's how much he wanted revival to take place in us. So he would send his son, Jesus, to make a way for us to know him personally. He would sacrifice his son 
for us. He's enough. He's the answer. He's what we need. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song that we haven't sung before. Maybe many of you have heard it on Spotify or whatever you listen by. And the song by Kim Walker Smith saying, Just Be. It's an awesome, it's an awesome song. And it declares uh, these incredible lyrics that everything else can wait. I've come to seek your face. So everything, actually, it can wait. I'm here for you. And he goes on to say, I, I want to just be here at your feet. I want to be here in, on my knees. Here in your presence is actually where I'm complete. Jesus, you're all that I need. And my prayer this morning is honestly that, that there's something in us, come on, we we'll declare, I just can't settle and just go through the motions. It's amazing how often God births something in the Spirit, but then it becomes a cycle of just going through the motions. And the thing that was covered in His presence now longer has the sweetness of His presence. We're just positioned in a cycle. And God wants to take us out of a cycle back into a place where His Spirit breathes afresh. Come on, and He resets us. He repositions us. He renews us. Because I don't know about you, but I just want to be <laughs> at His feet. Everything else, and there's a lot currently going on, but everything else can wait. And the song, I believe, I don't know the history of the song, but it was written, when I read it, out of the account of Mary and Martha. When Martha opens the home and they come in and Jesus comes in and she gets busy with preparations, yet Mary sits at His feet. Martha gets upset as you would when your sister's slacking off. But the Bible says that she was distracted by many things. What I love about Martha is she goes straight to the source. She goes straight to Jesus and says, Yo, Jesus, so good you're in my home. Love it. You're enjoying it. You know, the, you know that antipesto platter going well. It's good, it's good. Couldn't help but notice Mary, she's just doing nothing and nothing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm doing everything. And he says, Martha, Martha. And we look at that and we hear that and we think, oh, Martha, Martha. No, no, no. He loves her. Martha, Martha. What Mary's chosen is actually the right thing. Everything else can wait. Don't, don't think that we wouldn't have supper tonight if you don't run around and do what you're going to No, no. That can wait. What she's chosen will not be taken from her. And what's amazing is Mary goes on to be the same woman who breaks the alabaster jar and anoints Jesus in preparation for burial. In a legacy season that we're going into, some people would come into the season going, you know what, it's all about sacrifice. It's all about what we have to do and all this and that. But if we would be at His feet, when God then speaks and leads us by His Holy Spirit to do something that's led by His presence, others might say, well, that's extravagant. That's, that's, oh, that's, that was, that's a waste. Jesus would say, no, no, no. She's been at my feet. She knows my presence. She knows my voice. And she knows what matters most. And it's not actually expensive. And it's not actually extravagant. What it is, is going to set an example for thousands and thousands and thousands who are going to know what it is to be able to hear His voice and follow His lead to do something that's God-led and would actually unlock something for the generations to come.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.